Some people think that he was just a, a nice man, a good teacher, a religious teacher. Some people just think he was a martyr. He died up for, as a martyr for what he believed in. They don't understand that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus is the Creator. Welcome to Christmas. Special time of year. I love Christmas time. I do. And I love uh, family and turkey. And all of the, uh, the lights and decorations and things. But I love most of all that uh, Christmas is about Jesus. You could have all of the trappings and trimmings and turkey and everything. But leave Jesus. The name John Henry Hopkins Jr. may not ring any bells for anyone here, but uh, John Henry was born in 1820 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His father was an Anglican minister who loved the Lord. John Henry grew up. He graduated in 1850 from the General Theological Seminary. He became an author, an illustrator, a designer, and he served as a deacon, an ordained deacon in the Anglican Church. But what John Henry Hopkins Jr. is most known for is some of the hymns that he wrote. In about 1860, give or take, he wrote what was to be his most famous hymn. It was a Christmas carol. We Three Kings. And of course, it's loved the world over. And people sing it in different languages. And so this morning, I thought it fitting to take a little closer look at these three kings. We call them the three wise men. There's, uh, there's a lot of meat on the bone here. Applications for our hearts. So let's have a word of prayer. And then we'll take a look here at the scripture before us. Our Heavenly Father, help us to understand so that our faith grows. I thank you so much for the family of Grace Baptist Church. These folks are my life. And Lord, I know Jesus died for the church. And he, he loves us as a church more than anyone can. Father God, I do thank you for this church and for the people. I pray you'd continue to bless them with spiritual knowledge and wisdom and growth. I pray, Father, that you would increase all of us in the area of love and humility and patience and giving and serving and witnessing to let our light shine. Our Father, I thank you so much for the pastors and deacons of our church. And these, uh, these eight men are very precious to my heart. I pray that you would bless them over and over and enrich them and protect them and grant to them joy and leadership, humility, good prayer closets, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, I know that at Christmas we give and receive gifts. And we're talking about the wise men today. Father God, help us to understand a little more about them. And of course, for the gift unspeakable, the greatest gift ever given, the Lord Jesus. And so bless us now as we look at this old familiar story. And speak with our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, indeed, this is a very familiar story to everyone. 
a lot of uh, the unsaved of the world, they know about this story as well. Uh, all you need to do is go on the internet and type in the three wise men and boom, you'll, uh, you'll get more reading material than you can handle in a lifetime. And uh, there's a lot of uh, good stuff. There's some weird stuff out there too, mind you, but that's kind of typical, isn't it, for the internet. You can get some weirdos out there. But this is a familiar story about some men. We believe there were three of them, three gifts, three men. That's why we figure. And I don't have any reason to disbelieve it. So I, I figure there was three men. These were three men of renown. These were not three nobodies. So these were well-known men who traveled from the east, which would have been in that Babylonia area, up over the desert area, and they were to come down into uh, Israel. And they were coming for one purpose. They were looking for the king of the Jews. They didn't have all of the answers. But they had enough that excited their heart. And told them, we've got to go. And we have to welcome this new king and worship him. Now, all of the ramifications of that, we won't know until we get to heaven. But uh, we may as well err on the side of caution. I think that they, uh, they were good men. Now, elsewhere, they're known as the Magi. M-A-G-I. How many have heard that term, the Magi? Raise your hand if you've heard. Okay, that's, that's a good number of us. Where does that come from? Well, that comes from uh, a Latin word. Our, our Greek New Testament from which we get our English New Testament. But the Greek uses a similar word. And so the Latin equivalent is magi. And that's actually plural. Uh, or mag, mag, magi would be how it would be pronounced. Mag, magus or magus would be singular. But the idea means like a magician. Magi, if you put a C on the end, what have you got? Magic. So that gives you a little idea. But it's not like modern day pen and teller kind of magic, okay? It's not like that. Or street magicians or what's that guy, Copperfield up on stage, you know, cutting himself in three or putting himself back together. It's not like that. These men were what were known as uh, uh, wise men. That's why the Bible calls them wise men. Here it doesn't call them the magi. It doesn't even call them the kings. You know, we three kings, where does that come from? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But they're called wise men because that's exactly what these men did. These were oriental scientists. These were men who studied their whole lives. They gave their whole lives. These were the Einsteins of the East, is what they were. And they were, lived in somewhere in the area of Babylon, somewhere there. And they studied all kinds of things. Medicine, technology, chemistry, astronomy. Now, that's not astrology. That's astronomy. I believe in astronomy. I don't believe in astrology. And these men studied astronomy. And they did all this in order to gain a masterful knowledge and wisdom as found in nature and unseen spiritual world. They studied the stars in the sky. And their studies showed them some kind of connection between the stars and the kings who rule on earth. And I don't know what that connection is. I've tried to study that myself. I think it's a lost ancient art. You know, I got thinking about uh, the star that led them to Bethlehem. 
and to, uh, to the Jews. And they came seeking the king of the Jews, right? And so I did some study to find out, is there any kind of correlation between the stars and Israel, or the stars and the Jews? And the only connection I could possibly find was Hollywood. There's a lot of Jewish Hollywood stars, you know? You understand what I mean by stars? Yeah, I think the masks are making you a little sad. <laughs> Hard to connect with someone through a mask. I know, I know. But uh, it is what it is. Anyhow, that's all I could find as far as the stars and Israel or the stars and the Jews are those that have their, uh, their handprints, you know, or their name with a star on Hollywood Boulevard or wherever that thing is. Anyhow, um, these, these men were men of renown and uh, they were usually employed by the kings of nations and they received handsome wages. They lived an upper middle class life and it afforded them a very comfortable lifestyle. Well, why do we call them kings, we three kings? That may be because of a reference in the book of Psalms. Would you like to see it? Keep your finger there in Matthew. We're coming back. But go to Psalm 60. And this seems to be the most common verse that people point to to try and figure that these three men were kings. We three kings. So Psalm chapter 60. Watch this. O God, thou hast cast us off. Am I in the right Psalm here? Yes. Has cast us off. Thou hast. Phew. Let me start again. O God, thou hast cast us off. Thou hast scattered us. Thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble. Thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Thou hast showed thy people hard things, for thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. Thou. Four, five, six. You know what? I'm in the wrong psalm. Tell you what, let's make a change. We'll do a quantum leap over to the book of Isaiah. Now listen, this doesn't happen too often when I make a mistake this big. So, you know, write it down, you know, if you want to tease me later about it. I don't want you to forget any of the juicy details. Isaiah chapter 60. Psalm 60, imagine that. I love the Psalms, maybe that's why I had Psalms on my mind there. Psalm 60, um, there I go again, Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60. I wonder if I can get through this message today. There's a blessing here somewhere. Isaiah chapter 60, now this makes sense. Verse 1, arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, now watch this, verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. You see how they could sort of make a connection? The brightness of thy rising and kings. Oh, they must be kings. Let's read on. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from far and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be uh, converted uh, unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. And verse 6, watch. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, 
All they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. And they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. So verses 4 and 6, uh, or verses 3 and 6, seem to pop out. And they kind of sound like the three wise men. And so it's from this passage here in Isaiah, not Psalm, Isaiah chapter 60, where they seem to get this idea that the three men were actually kings. Were they kings? The Bible doesn't call them kings in Matthew. It calls them what? Wise men. If they were kings, I think the Bible would get it right, don't you? I mean, after all, God who created the whole world and universe and everything in six days and rested the seventh, He is the one who wrote the Bible, and He calls them here wise men. And so here we have these wise men. Now, these wise men, at some point in their studies of the skies and the stars, they notice something. And they notice something different than anything they'd ever seen before. This was some kind of different star. Now, there's been a lot of speculation. Well, what was it? Was it, was it a comet? Was it some kind of, uh, oh, by the way, uh, there are some people that believe that it wasn't actually a star. It was a, a tightly compacted group of angels singing. And they think that's what it was. Well, again, what's it called? A star. Yeah. So, I would assume that's what it is here. But they saw this star different from anything else. And they made some kind of connection. It appeared like out of nowhere. And according to all of their studies and so on, and they would have had some access to Old Testament scriptures as well. Not all of them by any means. I'll tell you why in a minute. But they would have had some access, maybe to the book of Daniel and so on, because Daniel was right there in Babylon. And he wrote his, his prophecies and so on. But they had this vision of this star. Now, uh, there are those who connect Numbers 24, verse 17 with this star because it's a direct reference to the Lord Jesus and makes reference of this rising star in Numbers 24, 17. And so they put them together here. It might be, it might not be, we don't know. But all of their studies, everything they knew, all their wisdom brought them to certain conclusions. Three. Three certain conclusions. Number one, the star meant that a new king was born in the world. Number two, this new king was connected with Israel and with the Jews, hence the king of the Jews. Now, how they were certain of all this, we may never know until we get to heaven. But no doubt, God would have had some kind of dealing with it because that's part of the story. God brought these men from the east. So God would have worked both sides of the street in their hearts and would have somehow made them to understand that this star is connected with the king of the Jews. And, of course, conclusion number three, this new king was so important that they were willing to travel a long distance and worship him and give him expensive gifts. So there's three basic conclusions that they would have come to. Now, you're back in Matthew chapter 2. Let's take a look at the scripture here. Start in verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, now that's important, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So they came to Jerusalem. The star disappears because we know it reappeared later. So they must have been at a loss. What do we do? Where's the star? We followed it all this time. It would have taken them approximately a month or more to make this journey 
if all things went well, they would have done this journey in about a month's time from the Babylonia area up over and down into Jerusalem, approximately a month. And all of a sudden the star disappears. And so they figure, well, Jerusalem is the capital city, and we'll go and see the, uh, the king. So that's why they figured, well, that makes sense. You know, he should know, right? And so they go and they, they come and they see Herod. So they say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. You know, there's a lot of stars out there. You know that. Uh, the ones we can see with our naked eye, they number in the thousands. But with the telescope, and the space Hubble thing, whatever, out there on a satellite somewhere out there, stars number in the billions or trillions or something like that. You know, it might be possible. We don't know, but it might be possible that every one of us here has a star named after us. It's an interesting thought. What are they doing out there anyhow? We don't know. Part of God's plan. This is not part of the message of the three kings. This is just a thought I want to throw out there in case any of you want to think about something. But there might be a star out there that the Lord has put and put your name on. It's just a thought. But it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because here, the three wise men said, we have seen his star. But we know there's definitely, absolutely definitely, one star meant for Jesus. This is known as the Bethlehem star, by the way. The Bethlehem star. And so they say, you know, we've, we've seen his, his star. We've come to worship him. Now, look, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. That word trouble means an agitation. You know, when the wind starts blowing and whipping up the waves on the sea and the sea gets all troubled and everything, and sailors don't like that because the ship rocks and a lot of ships go down. But Herod was troubled. He was a bit of a madman, by the way. He was troubled. It says all Jerusalem with him. Not every single person in Jerusalem, but the Jerusalem leaders, the ones he called together, they got troubled too. So Herod was this Roman ruler over Judea and all the Jews, and he had been given the title King of the Jews. That's what the Roman Senate had given to Herod, this title of King of the Jews. And he's sitting on his kingdom, and these three men from the east come and they say, well, where is the new king? The king of the Jews. And Herod must have been troubled. I think that's putting it mildly, really. I think he started to boil up. He was, a, he was about to pop a fuse. He was really, it was coming on here, folks. It was coming on. Herod was an insanely wicked old tyrant of a king whose policy was to put to death anyone Anyone who posed a threat to his authority and to his kingship. So, saying he was troubled, I think, was putting it mildly. Now, let's look at verse 4. Uh, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Now, watch this. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, you see what they, they did? They went to the Scriptures. Herod asked them a question about this, this Christ, this Messiah. You see, that's, that's, who, that's who Christ is, the Messiah. 
And so Herod knew this. And so he says, um, you know, where, where the Christ should be born. And they go right to the Bible for the answer. Folks, we need to go right to the Bible for our answers. Amen? I don't hear enough amens. Maybe the masks are getting in the way here, but we live in troublous times the world over. And there's all kinds of travel restrictions and what you can and can't do. And we need to go to the Bible for our answers. The Bible for our answers. Yeah. Not, not to some guy on the internet. We need to go to God's Word to find out how we are to live and behave ourselves. The religious intelligentsia was called in by Herod, and Herod demanded, he says, where is this Christ going to be born? They went right to the Scriptures, to Micah, an Old Testament prophet. That's why I said earlier that I don't think the wise men had access to all the Scriptures, because if they had access to the prophet Micah, they would have had maybe the answer to their question. But they didn't have it. So they came to see Herod. Herod didn't have it. He went to the religious guys. They went to the Bible. And they quoted the Bible to him. So they said, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, capital G, that shall rule my people Israel. And this was to be the Messiah or the Christ. By the way, the name Bethlehem, Bethlehem, it means house of bread. House of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And where was Jesus born? Anyone know? Bethlehem. Very fitting, don't you think? Last week we talked about the shepherds, right? Jesus is the great shepherd, hmm? but he's also the Lamb of God. If he's the Lamb, bring in the shepherds. So that's why I think they, the shepherds got called to come. Now this here is happening almost two years after the shepherds came and went. It didn't all happen at the same time. Only Matthew talks about the visit of the wise men. Only Luke talks about the visit of the shepherds. Interesting, isn't it, how God brings it all together. You, you, you've got to have it all, folks. You have to have all of the Bible. You have to have all the Old Testament and the New Testament together to make up the complete Word of God. And that's why it's very wise that we compare Scripture with Scripture. We get a complete story. So this here is happening upwards of two years after he was born. So he's not an infant babe laying in the manger anymore. He's now as much as two years of age. We know that because later, Herod sends his henchmen out to kill all the baby boys two years of age and under. He wanted to make sure that whoever this new king is, he got him. And so, anyhow, back here, the, uh, the wise men refer to this new king. And Herod knew that who they were looking for was the Messiah or the Christ. It means the same thing. It means the anointed one. Christ is a Greek word. Messiah is a Hebrew word. But it means the same thing the anointed one, the one from God. Now, the thing is, the Jews of Jesus' day were not looking for a Savior kind of Messiah like what we love and what we preach about. They were looking for 
a conquering king kind of Messiah. They were sick to death with the Roman government. The Jews had been taken over by Rome. You know that. And they had been made subject to Rome. And that's why they had all kinds of controversy. Is it lawful to pay you know, taxes to, to Caesar? Remember that? And they came tempting Jesus with that question. Do you remember this? Should we pay taxes or not to the Roman government? That Roman government is wicked, wicked, wicked. That Roman government kills babies. That Roman government slaughters innocents. Is it right, is it wrong for us to pay tribute or taxes to Caesar? And what did Jesus say? Bring me a coin. And then he said, what? Whose image is that? And they answered him, they said, that's Caesar's. And then you remember what Jesus said? Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God the things that are God's. They'd never heard that logic before. He shut their mouths. They came tempting him, trying to get him to say one or the other. So, ah, we got you. That's how wicked men work. They ask you a question. It's a loaded question. All right, sir. Answer yes or no. Have you stopped beating your wife? So if you answer yes, then you're admitting you had been beating your wife. If you answer, well, no, then you're saying you're still beating your wife. You see how the, the world works these things. And they, they were doing that with Jesus, but Jesus shut them down. Don't you love Jesus? Amen? He knows. He knows right from wrong. He knows what to do. He is the great shepherd and He will lead His sheep. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Huh? Not just at Christmas, but all through the year. January is a very down and blue time for many people. Let it not be for God's people. Let us rejoice in January as much as in December, Christmas in December. Praise the Lord. Well, anyhow, back here, the wise men, they came looking for this new king. Herod knew that what they were referring to was this Christ or Messiah. And so this is why Herod called all the Jewish leaders together because he figured that they should know where this Messiah is supposed to be born. So let's look at verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, so that means that the religious guys were now all put out of the room, they're gone, and there's just Herod maybe and his bodyguard, we don't know, but at least Herod, and he gets the, the wise men in front of him here, he says, it says that he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. You see, that's why he wanted to know. And they would have, they would have told him and given him some idea. Uh, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. It's called the young child. He's not called the babe. That star would have appeared to those wise men upwards of two years ago. When they first saw it, look at that, look at that, look at that. There it is again the next night. There it is, there it is. And this went on for a period of time until they finally clued in that, hey, there's got to be a new king, a king of the Jews. And they made their plans and they made their journey, the month-long journey and so on. And this is something like two years before when that star appeared. That's why Herod wanted to know what time so that he knew how old this child would be. And so, he says, of course, when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. What do you think, folks? Do you think that Herod would have come and worshipped the Lord Jesus? Yes or no? 
No, absolutely not. Or he would have come and worshipped him with a knife or a sword and tried to kill him. That's sad. Let's look at verse 9. When they had heard the, the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They were really happy now. They got their star back. And when they were come into the house, see, it's not the stable or the barn. Jesus was born in the stable. But afterwards, crowds all left after the taxing, whatever. They moved into a house. They had a proper accommodation. It says they saw the young child. Now, here's a thought for you. He was just a, a little two-year-old. That's all he was. And the fact is, if they hadn't had the star, these were the wise, some of the wisest men in the East. And they came looking for the Christ child, the king of, of the Jews. They wouldn't have recognized him. They would have passed right by him on a street. Maybe if, uh, if they had uh, baby buggies back then, I don't think they did, but if they had, you know, where mamas went out and took their babies for a walk or something, took their little children, and Jesus was in one, those three men would have walked right past Mary and Jesus. They, they wouldn't have recognized him at all. They needed something. You know what they had? You know what they needed? Star. If it wasn't for the star, they would never have recognized that this must be the king. Isn't that something? People today, they don't seem to recognize who Jesus is. Some people don't even think he existed. Well, that's really nuts. Some people think that he was just a, a nice man, a good teacher, a religious teacher. Some people just think he was a martyr. He died up for, as a martyr for what he believed in. They don't understand that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus is the Creator. Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. One God, three persons in one God. That's what the Bible teaches. It's called the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're not three separate gods, they're one God. Three persons co-equal in one. You say, I don't understand. Join the club. But it's revealed in the Scripture. Jesus is God. These wise men would not have recognized Jesus had it not been for that star. Praise the Lord for the star. Hmm? And so they got really excited and they came here. Let's pick up the story. When they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. By the way, there's no mention of Joseph here. Isn't that interesting? Where's Joseph? I don't know. Possibly he's out during work. Maybe it's a work day and he's out doing work at this time. We don't know. It says that they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now we all know what gold is. And there's different qualities of gold, right? They mix gold with other alloys, 10, 10 carat, 14 carat, 18 carat. 24 carat is absolute pure gold. But it's a soft material. And you can scratch it easily, you can bend it. That's why they don't use 24 carat for rings. For men's wedding rings, they'll make it 10 carat because they figure men are rougher, you know, punching walls and things like that, punching holes in walls. Sure, men do that all the time. And their, their ring has to be able to withstand that. Ladies, 
rings tend to be more like 18 carat, the softer gold, because uh, you know they might uh, they might hit their husband once in a while, but that's not going to hurt their ring. Okay, so pure pure gold, 24 carat, I think is what they brought. They brought them. But then it says also frankincense and myrrh. What are those? Those were very, very expensive. Uh, we'll call them perfumes. And they were used for different things. When my wife and I visited Israel, we bought this little three-pack. And you're welcome to take a look at it afterwards. And it has myrrh and frankincense and spikenard. So we got little samples of them. So... Um, if you promise not to steal them, because that's not a Christmassy thing to do. Okay? But uh, if you're nice, then uh, afterwards uh, you can take a, a sniff of these if you want and see what they smell like. So that's worth coming to church. That's one more benefit, right? Being in church rather than watching online. It's pretty hard to sniff these things online, right? Yeah. But anyhow, just a little bit of fun there. But uh, back in Jesus' day, <clears throat> the frankincense and the myrrh may have been worth as much as the gold. The gold is really crazy expensive now. Never used to be. But back in Jesus' day, they may have been sort of equal. These were expensive gifts. They were, they were very expensive gifts meant for royalty. Where did these wise men get these gifts? Some say, well, maybe they got it from their king back home. Possibly. But if their king was commissioning these three men to go, there would have been a letter from one king to another king. Here's my letter. Go see King Herod. Give him this letter. There's no mention of a letter. There's no mention of a king sending them. I rather think that these men who were upper middle class, they dug deep. And they got the best gifts they could. And these were gifts fit for royalty. So they came. And what did they do? They worshiped Jesus. You see, the story is not so much about the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. The story is really not so much about even the wise men. The story is about Jesus and who Jesus is. Some people don't realize that their next door neighbor is a multimillionaire. They see him come and go in an old truck, whatever, but they don't realize that that this guy who dresses in jeans and a torn t-shirt, that this guy has stocks and bonds and owns this, this building and that complex and this shopping center and so on, and he just lives in that, that house. They don't realize who he is. Well, who is Jesus? He is God Almighty, come down from heaven for the purpose of dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. This is the only reason he came he didn't come for the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. He didn't come so that he could sit on a donkey and people could lay their clothes and palm branches in front of him. He came for us, folks. They came worshiping him. You know what? There's a saying that wise men still seek him. It's a very smart thing to be looking for Jesus. Why did you come to church today? I hope it was to seek Jesus. You will find something in the, in the family of God you will not find anywhere else. Some people, they, 
the, and this is, has nothing to do with anyone here or anyone watching online, but the, I know of people who never go to church because they say, well, I can worship Him out in the trees. Okay, I'll sit down. I want to watch you do this. I want to watch you go out there and worship Him in the trees. What? You've never done it? Well, then why do you say you can? I don't have to go to church. I could worship God out in a rowboat while I'm fishing. Yeah, well, when was the last time you ever went fishing and went out there and worshipped God in the middle of the lake? You see, they're just excuses. Why do we come to church? It ought to be to seek Jesus. There were some Greeks that came to the disciples and their very words were, Sir, we would see Jesus. When you get to heaven, what's going to be your big thrill? You know what some people would tell you? No more mortgage. You know what some other people would tell you? No more backaches and migraines. Some people would say, no more cancer. Some people would say, I get to see Uncle Zeke and Aunt Matilda. Don't you see something's missing? What? What's missing? Jesus. That's what heaven's all about. Take away Jesus, it's just an empty place. Jesus ought to thrill your soul. That's one reason I love Christmas. Because it's all about Jesus. He is the reason for the season. Now let me close by asking you this question. Have you met the Savior yet? Have you met Jesus? Is there a time in your life where you heard His still small voice to your heart? Was there a time in your life where you understood that your personal sin, bad thoughts, bad words, broken promises, things you shouldn't have done, places you shouldn't have gone, creepy things you might have done, your personal sin has cut you off and you cannot go to heaven. That means you have to die and be in hell. There's nothing in between. There is no purgatory. There's heaven, there's hell. People are either saved and they go to heaven or they're lost and they end up in hell. Have you realized that? Have you realized that only Jesus Christ has the power to forgive your sins and to give you as a gift, a free gift, heaven, as a gift that you can take or you can reject? Have you done that? For me, it was April the 6th, 1975, when I finally understood and I cried out the best I knew how, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life, every bit of it. That was the day Jesus Christ came into my heart and saved me. That's the best gift at Christmas, is the gift of eternal life, which is found in Jesus Christ. You either have Jesus Christ or you don't have Jesus Christ. And you're not going to have them and lose them and have them and lose them and have them and lose them. It's not going to yo-yo in and out of you. You're either going to have them or you're not going to have them. One or the other. I hope with all my heart, with all my heart, that we see each other in heaven. One day that we all get together in heaven. That will be a great day. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? We'll have a word of prayer together. Thank you for watching the message today. 
We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.